What is up? Season's greetings, Hoopers. Analytics, bad guys, bucket getters, boosters, blue bloods, and new bloods. We're back. New episode. What is good? Yeah. Um, basketball kept happening uh while while we weren't recording. Um, coaches did some terrible stuff. Uh people have played bad basketball, yet the world keeps spinning. Hello, Hoop World. My name is Chuck Clary. I write for Slipper Sulfits, Busting Brackets, and Hello, Hoop World. And joining me today, he's still alive. It's it's Austin King. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm still here. Yeah. You know, I figured watching the San Diego State St. Mary's game was going to kill me, but I'm I'm still here. Actually, I, I refuse to watch that game, but just the, it's existence. I was going to say, you didn't actually watch that game. No, no, I did not, but its existence made me want to reconsider if life was worth living, and I'm still here. So He's also still alive and still hearing why you think uh, your favorite basketball team sucks. It's Jocelyn Key. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy that the New Bloods crew can get together again. Um, you know, it's, it's been a rough month, uh, since you drink how many bottles of tequila? I, f- I forget the uh, exact. Uh, we don't, we don't keep track if it's from okay. barrels. Um, uh, how many scorpions did you consume on your trip, Tuck? Um, there was only one scorpion and it, it was me for I am the scorpion king. Um, but <laughs> why did you come back by the way? I I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure why I came back. I, 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 I think I said the rule that if Gonzaga lost in Kentucky, I wouldn't come back, but they did, but I did not account for them to lose to Purdue. Uh, I did not account. I did not account for, uh, my mentions to become a psycho, uh, like a psychologist couch of, uh, 30, 40 yeah. something year old, uh, seventh grade girls volleyball coaches talking about how a 19 year old should just you know run into the ocean and drown himself um yeah it's, I, it's I don't amazing know I, how many uh burner accounts for college coaches have popped up in the last month that's 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 a new thing on on yeah. gonzaga twitter yeah good for them you know yeah. let's all let's all engage in the discourse let's all let's all say that we know more than a future james naismith award-winning head coach um let's let's circle together it is december 15th is when we're recording this 10 days until christmas and as it's perfectly clear the holiday cheer is here we're talking about a gonzaga basketball team that is between okay to great to not good at all um at any at any instance uh depends what the what timeout we're at if we're in a media timeout and it's the over 12 in the first half they suck if it's the under eight in the second half, got something going here. But well, let's let's be clear: everyone sucks at this juncture in the season. Like except for Connecticut, they're the only good team. Yeah, Connecticut yeah. is good. When did that happen? When did we? When did we decide we're doing that? Like, I mean, Adama I mean, I thought Sinogo the whole thing was like, him. yeah, Sonogo. Like we listed off like eight centers that could win Player of the Year, and then it's like, oh, I'm just kidding. It's 
Autumn Sonogo that's like actually the best. We didn't even draft Sonogo. I don't think we even drafted Sonogo. We definitely didn't even talk about Zach Eady. No, 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 no. Yeah. We were were contractually obligated not to talk about Zach Eady. So that's that's how we did. I think so. I also like we talk about. Also, Sonogo is not even the best big on his team somehow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just massive like seven foot five white freshman who is amazing well and it, yeah. it probably helps that like jordan hawkins finally discovered his talent and you know tristan newton has been a godsend for them at point guard so andre andre jackson is god um, Dude, i love andre jackson uh, can we talk about also, I mean, I think about this when I think about Connecticut and Purdue in particular, uh, the way we talk about Gonzaga and how it's like, oh, it's March 1st again. Gonzaga is going to be the number one team in the country because they don't play anyone like the number one ranking for college basketball until the calendar year changes is for Purdue basketball. Like Purdue before January is the number one team in the country almost every single year. It feels like at this point it, in terms of like, Oh, can they do it? Their offense looks really good. And it seems like painters turned a corner. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see all these Zach ED player of the year takes how they look uh, under, under the 2023 light. Yeah, I mean, when they get to Big Ten play, we already know they're going to lose like seven or eight games that they shouldn't have any business losing. And then we're going to get to March, and they're, they're going to, you know, crap the bed in the, the second weekend like they always do. But, yeah, I mean, Zach Eady is fantastic, and he's, uh, you know, he. I think the, the big question mark everyone always had about Zach Eady is like, are you going to ever – play more than 20 minutes a game on a regular basis and he's doing that now so Mm. you give the guy more playing time at his efficiency levels and well here we are (laughs) he's he's extremely efficient and that's that's this is this is the decision making we're we're seeing with him but really like gonzaga was in that game for a good portion of that game And, and let's be real if we were making shots we should have beat purdue Right, Turns out you yeah. got to do that. You got to make shots. Yeah, that's you. true. Yeah, and that's been kind of like our Achilles' heel this year. Like when we yeah. are bad, we're not making baskets. So, not, it's not great when the number four team of the country has, in terms of uh, Ken Palm adjusted offense efficiency, has these spells of like, yeah, they just can't make shots sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of speaks to like the level of parity in college basketball. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, there's like twelve really good teams, but like. None of them are great. We're all so depressed about this offense, and it's it's a top five offense in the nation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, if you've if you've paid attention to this podcast and the spaces that we do, the last spaces that was conducted was largely the all of us saying, "Uh, you can't change the offense, but it's." It's got to be better, right? It's not. I don't. I know what looks good, and this doesn't look like that. But yeah. Well, in, in that, again, it speaks to a certain level of expectation that I think we've all become accustomed to. Against you know, as Gonzaga fans for the last few years, where we're we're talking about an otherworldly good team that every whether whether there's flaws or not like there's so much talent there's so much experience the coaching level is so high and everything is being run at such a high level of execution on a regular basis that you brush those concerns under the carpet because 
you know, for the most of the time, the team is just firing in all cylinders. This year, that's not happening. You know, there's 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 some hiccups. We're seeing the hiccups play out on a regular basis. But speaking, speaking of hiccups, can we talk about how like everybody wants to blame uh, a sophomore point guard for why his team's offense doesn't look great, even though it's been the country. How but dare honestly, you, Nolan Hickman, not be Andrew Nemhard from day one? Oh right. my god! So so that, but then also like. This is like this is part of the greater conversation, guys. Uh, we have these conversations back and forth about like it's number four in the country, but it doesn't look right. Uh, I have felt like Razier Bolton and Malachi Smith has not have not looked right the entire season. Like they haven't unlocked the thing that I've been waiting for, and yet you look at this. Like if you're gonna just stat watch. They're both over 40% from three. Like, yeah. That was the thing that we're like, can they do it again? They can, but you feel like shit anyways. Well, and not to mention Julian Strathers over 40% as well. So it's like, yeah, it, where it, is we've that? had those questions. How, how is this team feel significantly worse than last season? And their three point percentage is 0.2% worse. It's just their defense. It's just the defense. I mean, but, but I'll, I'll be honest. Like I've been happier at times with our defense than I have been our offense. And it's not like our defense has been amazing or anything, but I just, I see the flashes of like what they're capable of. And I'm like, wow, they could really put that together and make that something special as the season progresses. Whereas with the offense, every single night I'm looking at it and going, why is he not moving without the ball? Why are they not you know, like what what are they doing? They're not communicating. There's not like any sort of flow. Like guys are just chucking when they can't get that first look at the basket. Like that stuff's frustrating. And it's like that's not Gonzaga. That's that's the part I think that we have been spoiled by. And and this is an audio medium, folks. So uh excuse me while I try to describe how my co-host looks right now. But Austin King reminds me of a like <laughs> Uh, a if bad Santa Billy Bob Thornton coached a like fifth grade basketball team and he just saw nothing but a bunch of fakers running lines during a scrimmage or during practice, like he just looks dejected, disgusted. What's going on, buddy? What's perfection? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like Billy Bob after like a bottle and a half of Jack and like a decent amount of cocaine. Um yeah, dude, this team is not fun to watch. I think that's like a lot of it. Like, I know Josh and and you know, he's uh the father of Gonzaga Twitter. Uh so he's got to be like it's a, when he puts his kids to bed, he's like it's going to be okay. Like don't fear. Like the monsters aren't in your closet. It's okay, everyone. Josh, okay. who do you tuck in first? Are you tucking your kids or your Twitter kids? Right? <laughs> yeah. I tuck in my Twitter kids. And I'm the I'm the drunk uncle that tells the kids like no 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 you should be afraid like you should be afraid <laughs> this is a dangerous neighborhood um, yeah like it, it doesn't look good the offense does not look right you know it's just the pace isn't there you know this team's average possession length is 63rd in the country you know last year it was second or we're used to a top five pace. Um, for this team offensively, and it's not even r- remotely close to that. Um, the team is not shooting nearly as many shots at the rim and getting those like clean, easy looks that the offense creates um, that we've seen over the last four to five years. And that's 
you know, genuinely concerning. Uh, we haven't seen that click. And this team just has like a pretty low defensive ceiling. Like, I don't, I don't see this team inching into the top 30 in defense in the country. You know, I don't think it's, you know, like Purdue's team last year that was uh, below 100 in Ken Palm and defense and then the number one team in offensive efficiency. Uh, that's not going to be the case. But, you know, I think this team's probably closer to 50th than it is, you know, tw top 25 in the country in defense. So when you don't have the, the kind of overwhelming nature of the historical Gonzaga offense matched with a defense that, you know, doesn't have a high upside, it's not a good recipe. I hate to be a doomer, but man, it just does not look the way that we're used to watching Gonzaga play. You're definitely a doomer now. Uh, so, yeah. Now, what, what I'm not going to at kids on Twitter and tell them to, you know, no, thank you for down that. in an ocean. No, yeah. at these kids. Yeah, uh, Michael Jordan said, at these kids. I'm not going to tell these kids to drink water from the Spokane River. You know, like don't do that. But if like, you boil also, it first, it's probably fine. Yeah, probably. you're not getting that dog in you. You're, okay, Josh. You're, you're not getting dog in you. You're getting like some sort of bacterial infection. You're getting mercury poisoning. Yeah, you're getting flesh eating. He's got that mercury throat. You know, he's got that Merc in him. Does sound cool, though. Um, we can turn this podcast into just a long discussion about the Spokane watershed, though. Yeah, we, I'm game for that. I know Tuck Clary has lots of thoughts. I maybe, so the aquifer. We can we can expose the people of Quarter Lane right now. Yeah, um, we can we can break into the science if you want. There is like a correlation. Um, or some sort of draw that you can make from the mining that has happened in the panhandle yeah. region of the state of Idaho. And in that, it reminds me of this thing of, please, Gonzaga, play better defense. Um, please, can you put your hands up? Can you find your man? Um, like, so, so awesome. What, what, what factors of the defense are uh, irreconcilable to you? Okay, there's no, there's never going to be any rim protection unless you're playing Efton Reed and he becomes significantly better on the defensive end. But that means you're playing Drew Timmy and Efton Reed, which just gives you an offensive cap and means that your guards just aren't going to get to the rim because there's not going to be space on the floor to finish around the rim. Um, outside of that, no, there. Uh, the defense is just not going to be good. Like there's, there's just, there's no rim protection. Uh, outside of Hunter Salas, the commitment to on-ball defense and pressuring the ball doesn't really exist. I mean, Malachi shows some flashes sometimes, but either you have to have great perimeter defense and like dogs on the perimeter or true rim protection, or just immaculate uh, commitment to understanding the game plan and being committed on rotations every single possession to be a great defense. And Gonzaga has not shown one of those three things. Does the ball it's hawk tendencies of Anton Watson and apparently Ben Gregg, who is suddenly 
Mr. Hustle on defense at, at times. Mm-hmm. Does that limit the potential uh, help side defense that they could offer um, for those, you know, some of those issues we're seeing with the rotational? Not necessarily, but I think what makes it so hard is that you're so offensively dependent upon Drew Timmy that you have to put Anton Watson in really difficult positions uh, where he has to guard the best big on the opposing team. And that just, that just makes it hard for him. Um, you know, he's, he did a nice job on Oscar Sheepway and stuff like that, but man, uh, he's just going to be put in really tough positions. Like he had no business guarding Zach Eady and it's not his fault. I mean, also nobody really can, but like he, we struggled guarding Xavier's two bigs uh, in Fremantle and Nunji. Like, over and over again, you're seeing that. And and the other thing, too, that's concerning is that in our last game, you did not see that, like, death blow. Like, it was just this kind of, like, all right, it's close, it's close, it's a little too close. All right, we'll just kind of, like, slowly inch ahead, and, okay, now we're off to a 21-point win. But we're used to watching like maybe a team's going to keep it close. And then, Oh, we just went on like an 18 to three run games over. We just went for your throw. That's it. And like, that's how Gonzaga wins big games is having those 10 out runs. Um, I would love to, I should go back and look like Evan Miyakawa uh, does the kill shot stats. Runs. And I'd be very curious to see what GU stats are this year in comparison to like the last four to five years and how many kill shots they're getting uh, per game. And I'm sure there's a fairly drastic difference in what that is. And that's mostly due to the pace of play. Um, You can't have those 10-0 runs when you have less possessions and you're not getting easy, good looks on back-to-back fast breaks and stuff like that in, you know, a 10 possession um, spurt. If you only have one fast break as opposed to three to four fast breaks, you're going to get a lot worse looks. That's just how it works. And so until we start to see that pace uh, really speed up, I think there's a real cap on, Gonzaga being able to just put their foot on teams' throats, and I think that's going to show itself in the WCC, to be Austin, honest. Austin, I'm so sorry that this Gonzaga basketball season is aligning with seasonal affective disorder yeah. in Portland, it's Oregon. You, you sound like you are at a wake for a family member, and I'm yeah. so sorry for that. So, guys. Am I wrong, though? Did anything that I say... Like, is that truly wrong? Um, no, it's not wrong, but it's you definitely are, you know, you're focused on only the negative points. And, you know, I get it. There's a lot of negative points at this point in the season and with what we've seen, the product on the floor. But I still think, and I've mentioned this repeatedly in our spaces and some of our other discussions, like on playback and stuff like that, that you're seeing a team that was thrown into the fire playing some of the best, one of the probably the best schedule that Gonzaga has ever played in the non-conference, which is pretty absurd. If you think about it, looking at past seasons and 
you know, all, overall, like we have a big win over Kentucky. We have the win over Michigan State. Granted, they're a little hobbled right now, but they were fully healthy when we played them at that time. We've got the win over Xavier. While that's not a top five win by any stretch of the imagination, Xavier's not bad. They're not a bad basketball team, and they're probably going to finish top, you know, four, three, something like that in the Big East this year. And then we still have an opportunity against Alabama this this weekend that might potentially be the the feather in the cap. I know that you don't think we're going to win that game, Austin, but I think there's a possibility. I don't think Alabama is as good as everybody has made them out to be thus far. I I think they're not they're not a bad team, but they're I don't know if they're like the you know this like top five team in the country. Um, I think part of that is just based on opportunity. Oh, neither are we, Josh, by the way. Well, no, I'm not saying Gonzaga is a top five team in the country right now, but like we have not had a chance to like develop uh, through a softer schedule to grow some of these rotations, to let some of the younger guys play together and work on some things uh, because Mark had to tighten down this, the rotations from day one. And he, yeah. he's only had like two, three games at this point, four, well, really three. Here's, here's uh, their, their like resume is like significantly better than Gonzaga's though. Is it? Yeah, Alabama. They have have wins over Michigan State, North Carolina, Houston on the road, and Memphis. Yeah, so the Houston win is the best win between the two schools by far. But like, let's be real, North Carolina is nowhere close to as good of a team. You think North Carolina is like a big win? Uh, in the in the very middle of them, not knowing where they're going. Like, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think North Carolina is great by any means, but they're still a top twenty-five team on Ken Palm. I mean, they lost. Like, as as who's better, Kentucky or North Carolina? It's not a bad. Oh, I think Kentucky is a better win, but outside of that, I mean, they they have the best win. They have yeah, the best win with that. Houston, for sure. They didn't lose to Connecticut uh, by 25 points. Gonzaga's best win, Kentucky. Yes. And yeah. they have a really bad loss at Texas, a bad loss against Purdue, and a tough loss against yeah, but, but bad losses don't matter like they used to. It's not like margin of victory is like a huge thing for, for seeding and all that anymore. I don't care about that. I'm and if there's something we've losses. learned about this specific Gonzaga basketball team, it is uh, when he gets down bad, it gets down atrocious. Yeah. It's really, really bad. But, but um, and, and let's be real, like there was there was a moment against Baylor when we watched that game where we had a chance to get down bad and like give up. And just like let Baylor run away. Disgusting on both ends. That game was disgusting. It was. Uh, I I give you that. But but that team showed a hell of a lot of fight against a very tenacious defense against you know that Baylor ran that night against us. So I like okay. So I've been pumping Bama all offseason throughout this season too. And I got to say, guys, I, I still hold my Bama stock, but and, and clearly, rightfully so, considering that they were able to outpace Memphis, outpace Houston, come back from behind. Yeah, I, I think it was a 15-point deficit against Houston in the second half, beginning yep. of the second half. But my God, Nate Oates, you were not coaching an NBA team. And to that extent, I am – while I do side with Bama being the better team, while I do side with the fact that I trust 
Bama's guards and wings to an extent that I don't trust Gonzaga's guards or wings. Yeah. Nate Oates relying on the three point shot is boom or bust to the upteenth level yeah. to a way that like, that's why they were down by 15 points against Houston. Granted, that's a big reason why they came back, but that volatility will will absolutely bite Nate Oates in the ass, considering that he has a level of talent to not be three-point reliant, but he's completely down to to play that D'Antoni, uh, Phoenix Suns, uh, best or Houston Rockets, Phoenix Suns, three-point shot or layup and nothing else to the level that I, I think that any result is possible in this game on Saturday. I think also there's there's a couple of points here about Alabama so far this year. One one being Namari Burnett was a pretty big rotational piece for them, at least defensively, um, at this point in the season. And and his injury was kind of like a big deal. I, I think there's a lot of Alabama fans who would tell you like that that was kind of like shocking to find out. Oh damn, he's going to be out for an indefinite period of time due to surgery. Um, and then Javon Quinterly, like, you know, he's still easing back in from his injury. And granted, this that doesn't affect their results so far. Like, you can see they're still playing well as a team, regardless of whether Quinterly's in their full-blown or not. But that gives me a question mark when I look at that guard depth. And, you know, Mark, Mark Sears has been pretty solid so far. I think he's one of the better proven himself to be one of the better transfers in the country. Um, And Jaden Bradley's been okay, but he's not necessarily been a godsend as a freshman. So like, you know, that's really it at this point. That's all you have. Um, And then, you know, probably like an 80% Javon Quinterly, who's probably not going to be fully where he needs to be until later in the season. And then Brandon Miller, like he's been excellent. And, And honestly, he's the reason they've won multiple games. Uh, but he's also disappeared here and there. He he was like over eight from the field from Houston. Granted, they still won. I get it. How many of those are threes? You know, Josh. I think it was zero for five from outside yeah. in that game. Um, which that's the boom and bust that that you're talking about, Tuck. Like, yeah, but here's know. the here's the thing though. Alabama still has their defense. Yes, they do, and I think and they have the type of players that give Gonzaga trouble. They do. Uh, Charles Bediaco mm-hmm. is going to be able to guard you to me one on one. That's that's been proven. He did it last year. Um, and Noah Clowney has been really solid uh, so far this year. Uh, but I just wonder if we're looking at their, their whole situation and, and just, you know, like, I don't think they're, in, in, you know, they're perfect by any means. Like, I think, I think they could have an off night against Gonzaga and we could easily win like we did against Kentucky. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility or we could, have a, a bad game ourselves like it's kind of like a, a cat like a, a grab bag at this point you just don't know what you're going to get from anybody at this juncture in the season um and it kind of sucks that you know after this game we're not going to see any more real tests for gonzaga before march if you if you count st mary's or not i don't know but you know um, I, I i just I, I look at the situation and i think like i think this these games this like murderer's row of a schedule so far is, is only going to help this team as we get further in the season. Uh, we're only going to be able to rely on film from that to like help fix problems down the road. Like I don't see it as a negative. Like I, I see growth, you know, what are the fixable problems? Uh, well, for one guys can definitely move better without the ball. 
I think I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for Mark to coach them up and get them understanding scheme, get them working in his system offensively more um, at, at a higher level than he than they have so far, right? Like that's coachable, isn't it? Uh, some degree, but I think off ball movement is much more innate and a basketball intelligence thing, and you either have it or you don't. Okay, but these are. Outside of Malachi Smith, like this is largely a lot of guys around this team last year who were able to move off the ball. Um, like, is this not also, or like even more predominantly, the playbook not being completely opened up for Nolan or like completely running diverse sets uh, with the full rotation, and that this is an overly simplified offense at its current like form. Yeah, I think I think part of that is is the playbook has not been opened up for Nolan Hickman and I also think part of it is like I said before like Mark being very tight with what he's doing so far because he's trying to eke out as many wins as he can get in this schedule and not walk out of the non-conference season without you know cuz like it's it's risky for him to like play around with it too much and then and, you end up losing all of these big games, you know. Right. I get that, and and I understand that. But is like, is the point of playing this murderer's row at the beginning of the season not to figure out what works and doesn't work? And like, yeah, winning and losing is important. But what are you going to learn about your guys if you're going to have an ultra conservative playbook and you're not going to open up until you start playing teams that are getting run by UC Riverside? I don't think it's as much about trying to test things out as it is about trying to build your resume at this point in the season. Because if it was about trying to test things out, he'd just be testing things out and he wouldn't care about the results of the game. But like that, that's not possible for Gonzaga. You don't have any more opportunities after this. I think that's just a philosophical difference that I have. I'm far more concerned about team development than I am about resume. Sure. And I don't, I I feel like it's been resume. I feel like it's been resume for Gonzaga for like a long time, time memorial. (laughs) That's, that's the rest, but that's the recipe for what they've done to be able to get to the NCAA tournament for how many years are we at now? 23 in a row, or is is that, I forget the streak number. Uh, We're not worried about the fucking tournament. No, I mean, I think Gonzaga is going to make the tournament at this point, but what I'm saying is let's say Gonzaga just tests things out during the non-conference and they completely forget about just trying to eke out a win or two here and they literally just focus completely on testing everything out and they lose five straight like Creighton did and then all of a sudden you get to the WCC season and you have to win every single game in the WCC and then you get to the tournament the WCC tournament and you are still potentially on the bubble because you don't have any marquee wins in the non-conference yeah, this team has, no, has too much talent to be on the bubble yeah I am the, like, the talent talent doesn't get you in the tournament if you don't have the resume, though, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't my point is even if you are trying things out, even if you are trusting Nolan and letting him play through his mistakes and opening up the playbook and actually allowing him to run pick and roll on a regular basis as the primary guard, you're not gonna lose five straight games. You're not. How do we know that though? Could we have because- could we have not lost that Xavier game also, that Michigan State game, the 
Um, you know, the Kentucky game we probably would have won because of the game plan was executed executed so well overall for us. And Kentucky just really played terrible that day. Um, but you take oh, that one- reputation alone, Gonzaga is not missing the tournament. They're not a bubble team if they just let Nolan Hickman run and let, let me more pick and rolls a game. Let I don't me, know, man. Let, let me let me frame this up so I can get owned uh later on uh, in 2023. <laughs> uh but I am more confident this year than outside of I guess last year, which yeah, pie on my face. Uh I don't think Gonzaga is losing a WCC game this season. I think I don't necessarily I, disagree. I don't like. I think that there are two tests for this Gonzaga team in the regular in the conference season. I think the tests are at St. Mary's and against Portland. One of those times, I think Portland's going to throw a tough punch. One of those times, they're going to attack uh, in a way, and their shooting is so much better than last season that. Uh, Gonzaga is going to have to be red hot to to keep distance from Portland at some point in one of those two games. But outside of getting tested, I don't see it with this WCC yeah. this year. I, yeah. I, I, I generally agree because it's not top heavy. You don't have as much talent, you know, in that first two, three teams at the top as you did last year. Um, and I think St. Mary's is good. They're worse really, than last year. Right. And I question I question that young backcourt and whether they're going to be able to weather the storm against Gonzaga. Um, so yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I think I think Gonzaga could run the table through the WCC. Um, and, and if they do, great. Like that's gonna I think ultimately though, this discussion leads back to this this just shows like Gonzaga needs to get in a freaking better conference at this point. Like we are, if if Gonzaga's in the Big Twelve or the Big East right now, then the non-conference schedule doesn't really matter anymore. Like you could lose four or five games in a non-conference season because you can still win, you know, seven to ten games in your conference and punch your ticket with all those quad one opportunities and quad two opportunities, like there's so many more opportunities, so much more meat on the bones at that point that, you know, as, as fans, we don't have to stress about the non-conference anymore. Like it, and Mark won't, he won't, he knows like at that point, okay, I can either soften my schedule or I can still schedule relatively strong. And if I lose a few of those, it doesn't matter. Like I can let my guys just run and learn and do these things to become better players as the season progresses instead of having to force himself to get eke out as many wins as he can get and build that potential top four, top three seed resume. Real quick. Speaking about this Bama game, your guys' guess. So 14 players on the Alabama Crimson Tide have had a shot attempt this season. Uh, How many of those players do you think have had 45% or more of their shots been three-pointers? Uh, six. I'll go – I know it's got to be wild, so I'm going to say 11. Ten. Ten Whew. Alabama players at a 14 have shot 45% or more three-pointers for the total shot attempts. 
That's a lot of three-pointers. 47% of their shot attempts are three-pointers, guys. So it's basically just Jaden Bradley and Charles Bediaco that actually play. (laughs) Right, right. Before conference realignment happens for Gonzaga, clearly this game is a must-win for them to be a number one seed. Yeah, like if they lose this. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no one seed if they don't beat Alabama. I'd kiss kiss that one seed goodbye already. Already? Already? I don't know about about that. I think it's still possible if you win out the rest of the think? Do you think it's Arizona's to lose? No. Mm. Or do you think it's just going to be the fourth fourth best team? UCLA UCLA is the best team in the West this year. Did you see what they did to Maryland the other night? That's they also Maryland like and Kellen Willard. Maryland is good this year, dude. They they beat Maryland by 27, and Maryland has actually looked good at times. Maryland's lost three games in a row. Yeah, yes, they, big, they've big Creighton energy. Big Creighton energy from Maryland. But but I'm just saying because like, they beat that's Illinois. Not, that's not a bad win by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, it's a great it's a great win. I and I'm I'm with you, Josh. I think it is probably at this point UCLA's to lose. Uh I think it's whoever wins the Pac twelve is Who's UCLA beaten other than Maryland? Uh their only good win uh Maryland, Oregon, and Stanford, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, every, I wouldn't call those great wins, but they're they're decent. They're like quad they two. They were by forty seven. They um, they played uh, Baylor tough. That was a that was. Because I could play Baylor tough. Yeah, Baylor's a good team. I think that's a good test for both teams. Uh, they played Illinois tough. They you know Illinois is a good team, and honestly, Illinois has at times looked very good, and then other times looked bad. So it's hard to say like which Illinois you're getting. Surprise me at all if it's like. Virginia wins the ACC and, you know, Connecticut, Houston, and, you know, someone else are, you know, those top four seeds and they have a team from the East. Go that, play. That's true. They uh, it could uh, be a year where the West is like the de facto, you know, next fourth spot. Right. Yeah, that wouldn't right. surprise me at all. Because, you know, and let's be real, the last like four or five years, Gonzaga has been so good and locking up that one seed out West that it's made the West one like more important um, or at least higher ranked on the seeding line. But now with no real clear cut one out West, maybe that changes. Now, if Gonzaga wins, sorry, Tuck, if Gonzaga wins this game and runs the WCC and like looks significantly better then yes, yes. Gonzaga can still absolutely get the one seed. Yes. But they have to look really good and it can't be like oh Gonzaga went undefeated but they had plenty of like games within 10 points. It's got to be like an absolute obliteration. It, the the, the analytics have to look good overall. Yes. Um yeah. And and some of that's margin of victory, but also some of it's just the team really needs to play more efficiently o- across yeah. the board. Look, but, let's go sicko. Mm-hmm. Let's just have this be the most sicko Gonzaga number one seed ever, where it's the biggest <laughs> example of like Gonzaga's number one because they don't play anybody for two. I love months. I love that. I would love that. Like just <laughs> screw it. Who cares? Yeah, I, like, I, I we're want, already gonna I want get that. all the hate that we're gonna get in March when we're up for that do one we, seed. Do we want the one seed though? Like I'd be kind of I'd be kind of down for like a three seed this year honestly to be 100 percent honest i do not care at all where we end up at all this year i just want to keep watching these dudes grow 
I'm having a lot of fun watching Ben Gray. He just loves these kids. He's just yeah, like he just loves his kids. He I do love love seeing his my kids. kids and you know watching they, them grow is just one of the best put, parts of my life. How many times the have dog? you? Uh, how many times have you measured Ben Gregg on the pantry uh, oh, door? Man. I got so many notches <laughs> on the pantry got, door. Man. What you guys? A crayon or a pen? What's kind of the sharpie? Uh sharpie. Yeah, we use okay. the sharpie here in the Lincoln gotcha. household. Yeah, I you know I. I think it's been hell a hell of a time watching Ben Gregg come I out of think you could have just thought be... that I think it's been hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? The last few games of Hunter Salas have been hell for other people. Uh, having to deal with me. his emergent. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm saying thriving. like it's been great for me. Tuck's agenda is thriving. My yeah. my agenda is as strong as ever. Uh shout out Tristan Freeman calling him uh uh, which which failed WSU NBA player was it? I can't remember. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Kyle Weaver. Kyle Weaver. Oof. He called him he called him a poor Ooh. man's Kyle Weaver. Yeah, that is Kyle terrible. Weaver. I believe who played for Oklahoma City. I think yeah, that's o- <laughs> Oklahoma City the second round. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I why do I know that? I don't know, but I do. <laughs> I'm having a great time watching these guys develop. I'm having a great time seeing the nuances of like uh, Mark having to deal with like this chaos because he doesn't quite know what to do with it all yet. What are the nuances, Josh? I'd love to see. Uh, it. Well, the nuances are like <laughs> the moments, the the little moments where Efton comes in and suddenly looks great, and then five seconds later looks absolutely terrible, and he has to be benched. And that's again. enjoyable for you. It is. It's enjoy. It's it's. Look, I'm a pain for uh. For Josh, Josh kind of guy. like the dad who catches his kids with like an eighth of weed and is like, ah, oh, this is so great. I can't wait for my kids to grow from this. These are the, these are the daddy grow. moments I always look forward to. No, I, Josh, I, gets, I, Josh gets a phone call that his kid totaled his, his car and Josh is like, ah, oh, they grew up so fast. Look, <laughs> I can't wait to have my kids bring home pills and find them and find out my kid's been the main source of Vicodin at his school. Austin. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Austin, Austin's just projecting Josh Linky's children to belong in the show Euphoria at this point. Yeah, well, exactly. You know. Isn't that all high school kids at this point? All time? high school Look. kids do pills. Look. Josh is like, my kid is going to be the main source of fentanyl death in Arizona. I'm just trying to I'm change so the subject. To yeah. <laughs> Look, I... If you if you look at the end of game situations we've gotten to see already this year, like how often do we get to see Gonzaga t- uh, tinker with end of game situations ever? <laughs> how, how much did we like this? How much did we like this? How much did we like those end of game situations? I mean, we we won the one versus Kent State. We won the you know relatively. It was kind of an end of game situation against uh, Xavier. We sucked against Baylor. It happens. You know, you you win one, you lose one. Like it's you know not the end of the world. Like I I thought the Baylor game was great to be honest. Like overall, I thought we played really well. You know, consider all things considered, uh, and as as well as Baylor defended us that night, and as like little room as people had to operate uh, in space, like they were basically in our hip pocket the entire night there was no room the fouls were not being called until the end of the game and you know like the majority of that game while it didn't look pretty from an offensive perspective at all like 
there was heart, there was hustle, there was guys doing things that the little things that needed to be done. Anton Watson was great for the most part. I know he made a few mistakes here and there, but like he he did a lot to help keep us in that game. Those are all things that are wins in my mind. Like I see those things and I say, oh, these are problems that we're going to come across as the season Josh progresses. Josh fights for his kids. Yeah, Josh, Josh, I do. For his kids. Josh, blink once if you're okay. Blink twice <laughs> if Mark Few has a gun on you right now. <laughs> Look, I, I don't care <laughs> if I sound like a Gonzaga propagandist <laughs> or not. I, I own it. I am a, a homer until the day <laughs> I die. Boy. Someone's but got some rose-colored glasses. There, There is a lot more to the game of basketball than just having pretty offense and winning basketball games like you have you have to get it's about the life lessons we learn along the way exactly exactly these are young men that we're growing here these young men have to continue i'm just proud of the type of men the gonzaga program produces at the end of the day jesuit university i would be all over this and agree if these young men had their team photos and player photos wearing ties and button-up shirts, yeah. If, if it was that team, I'd be like, yeah, these are young young men, young scrolling before Sorry. our eyes. I uh, can't wait to go to the cookout and catch up with them and see what incredible men they're about to become. These are I, young I can't wait to see them grow up and run their own State Farm Insurance branch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh wow, man, there, and suddenly there's an ncaa ad where we're talking about players go pro and other things than their sport yeah they're, they're gonna work yeah. at enterprise and josh is gonna be so <laughs> proud yeah josh is josh is going to like fight like I'll create a, a job map. Geico. Jo- josh the zagaholic is going to create a map of all the uh <laughs> enterprises throughout the country that these great it's, men young men are at and it's, it's little like a, you know uh when you go to catholic church and there's a little brochure of all the local catholic businesses of like people that go to that parish and like hey you should support these businesses josh is going to turn zagaholic into that but just for gonzaga <laughs> players like hey if you uh need a surgery and you want a medical device <laughs> company um make sure to use make sure promo to code use, dolo <laughs> <laughs> yeah make sure to go see sam dower ask for him to be in your surgery uh, do you need a do you need a horse nephew the do you need a horse or cattle pushed. or livestock may i interest you in robert shepherd <laughs> oh, do you need God. beef grade a beef david pendergraph's house farms um look, look there's a need if you need chiropractics go talk to david stockton do you need a fitness regimen to overhaul your lifestyle and help battle sciatica Talk to Mike Nielsen at. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, I don't Ooh. even know. Yeah, I'm I'm good on that. <laughs> What's Josh Hart up to? You mean Mike uh, Hart? Yeah, Mike Hart. Josh Hart is up to yeah, NBA player. Yeah, I forget, forget the Hearts. Yeah, uh, we Josh Hart. I wish yeah. Josh Hart was a Zag. He'd be a great Zag. Josh Hart would be like the coolest Zag. That's why Villanova swaggy. Awesome. Dude, sorry. No, I know, but like, did you see that video of him shirtless in the Portland locker room? Mm-hmm. My God, I got pregnant watching that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he's hot. He's okay. fucking hot, man. Okay, so how does Gonzaga beat Bama? Or how did how does Gonzaga beat Bama? Uh, well, for one, uh, Drew Timmy needs to eat. Uh, Bediaco cannot completely 
own him one-on-one. That can't happen this time. Number two, Bama needs to not have a, a hot shooting night. Like, they can't – like, if they're going to chuck, let them chuck. But let's hopefully they, they miss, like, 75% of them. That would be nice. Um, and we It's going to come hit. down to Brandon Miller and, and, Miller is and Julian Strother, right? Strother alive. It's going to be Brandon That's... Miller versus Julian Strother, right? That's going to decide this game. Maybe they put Anton on Brandon Miller instead. Wow. Gonzaga Gonzaga uh, uh, NBA draft combine players dodging the greatest players on the other team yet again. I don't think it's them dodging anyone. I think it's the coaching mm-hmm. staff choosing the matchups that work best for them. Well, if Julian Strother can't guard Brandon Miller, then I'll tell you what, he does not belong in the National Basketball Association. Brandon Miller also, can we talk about how Brandon Miller does not look explosive? Yeah. I I had Brandon Miller really really high on uh freshman rankings on uh, I'm I'm building finally an NBA draft board. Uh, I had Brandon Miller high to start on the preseason and while he does show his ability to get to his spots, he is a good shooter. He he does show an, an ability to be vertical. He does not have the explosiveness and that's also kind of why I think Gonzaga has a chance on Saturday and also yeah, you can frame this and, Wasn't and, he and more explosive me. in high school though? Like I remember that was the that was the talk uh, was he was a he was a grown man in in high school and I mean yeah. he's twenty years old as a freshman so um, <laughs> he's a man he's twenty yeah, he literally yeah, is yeah a he's grown he's man, the so. Mike Gundy freshman um, <laughs> he took the BYU uh, missionary route yeah yeah uh, but like I don't know if if Gonzaga is able to keep Brandon Miller below twenty points I think they have a chance to win this game. Yeah, I, th- I think that's possible. Um, I I also think that Gonzaga just needs to come out and uh, and actually run some offense, like actually maybe use a little bit number four offense in the country needs to run some. <laughs> yeah, offense. Uh, I want to see Ooh. I want to see us like you know uh, creating uh, like make that extra pass. You know, when, when you're when you're Julian on the perimeter and, and you have the ball, you don't have to take the shot all the time. Sometimes you can just kick it out to that wide open guy on the corner and let him shoot and see if that lands. Because often that extra pass is the difference between a converted possession and, and not. So, you know, I'd love to see guys move without the ball. I think they're more than capable of it. So, you know, hopefully running a little offense – will change some things for us. I don't know if this is the game to do that in. I don't know. We'll see. Wow. It, the way <laughs> the way that, that like that talk just slowly avalanched out of control. Incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, talking myself in circles. So is is this entire season not can it not be explained by the fact that who was supposed to be the second leading scorer on this team has had like consistency issues has had um, games, games where like, you know, things compile and he's not hitting from outside and he's not attacking the basket whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it is partially to do with that, but there's consistency issues across the board. And I think it, it all ultimately starts at, you know, we got it. We got to get into our sets. We got to be getting more efficient looks at the basket. There needs to be a concerted effort to get to the rim. 
I don't know how many times that me and Austin are on playback over the last few weeks screaming for them to get to the rim when the, instead they just slow down and stop at the perimeter and, and let the other team like set back up on defense. Like, no, like take advantage of them being on their heels, get to the freaking rim. That would cure a lot of problems right there. And I think Julian's more than capable of doing that. Like he's shown flashes of it in the past. Um, Nolan has too. Like, why aren't they getting? Why aren't they trying to get to the rim more? I don't. I don't know. It's interesting though because if you look at hoop math, I know I'm looking at that right now. It's not that crazy of a disparity. It's just the number of attempts. It's not percentage of shots at the rim. It's number of attempts at the rim. That's the difference. Is that the pace is different, hmm. and the quality of attempts at the rim. Yeah. I mean, it also doesn't help that when you're literally playing like solid defense after solid defense, you know, throughout the beginning of the season against really high level athletes and, you know, guys who are going to, you know, a lot of those numbers last year, we're not looking at just the non-conference. We're looking at the whole thing with WCC play included. So some of those efficiency levels look great because they're playing inferior competition for most of that. You know, I will um, say, I will say, they are also attempting mid-range shots more than they did last season. That's and that's taking away not only just from at the rim, but from the perimeter. Would you say that like the biggest offensive issue with this Gonzaga team so far this season has been they get goaded into taking tough shots or settling for perimeter shots or you know eighteen-foot shots rather than you know, actually taking the time to make the extra pass. Definitely, because there's there's been such a concerted effort to make it difficult on getting the ball inside to Timmy or, you know, Anton, whoever it is, it's it's in, down low at that time. Um, a lot of teams have been stacking the paint and just you saw it early on in the season. Michigan State went under every ball screen. Kentucky did it a lot too. Granted, it didn't help them in their situation, but um, – you know, Texas uh, did it a lot too. They were they were literally going under on everything when Hunter was on the floor, and part of that's because Hunter just isn't quite yet at that level of shooter or confidence level. But, um, but yeah, it's it's allowed them to just teams to to double down on Timmy every step of the way, and and to be to Timmy's credit, like he continues to eat. Like he's he's just been dominant at times, and if he's not dominant, we probably don't win some of those games. So, um, you know, but it it just shows like if if Timmy isn't being destroyed down low and like forced to take tough shot after tough shot, doesn't that open a lot more things up for for other guys? You know, like doesn't suddenly like the offense the ball move uh, better? Um, I don't know. I, I think I think we're just at this point where it's like you can look at the numbers, but you also have to take it with a grain of salt because of the level of competition too. So it's it's just it's hard to to gauge across the board um, how this is going to look for the rest of the year. Austin, why do you look like a character in Schindler's <laughs> List right now? <sighs> like you have it's some so big depressed. secret that you have. Dude, to I just no, I. <sighs> I don't know. This team just depresses me. I'm trying to figure out what. Oh my god! 
<laughs> I, I I know. Um, it, it definitely could just be seasonal affective disorder, but uh, I, you know, I am coming from the Pacific Northwest, so it's just a depressing time. I mean, it gets dark at like four twenty, guys. So you know, yeah, praise uh, it and blaze it because the sun yeah. is not doing it. Yeah, um, for real. But I don't know. I mean, thought about like putting grow lights in your room to like you know shine. Yeah, I need one of those happy room. lights. I need some vitamin D. <laughs> um, for real. Um, no, like. It, it's I, no I'm just trying to think through like what Josh was saying when it comes to playing through Drew Timmy in the post and what we've actually seen over these last actually the first three seasons of Drew Timmy's careers we actually don't play through the post that's a secondary action once the primary action has been run and then it's fed into the post but you're seeing Drew Timmy play out of the pick and roll uh, you know, being effective as a secondary player, playmaker in the short role, attacking in that way, uh, looking at him attacking through grab and goes, uh, grabbing the defensive rebound, running the break, um, all of those things. And this year, you're not seeing that. And, you know, what did we do last year when we were making fun of the Big Ten and why they weren't going to have teams go far in the tournament and be legitimately versatile offensive teams is because they're playing through plotting bigs in the post and all the offense is being run through them. And unless they're a phenomenal passer, it's hard to have a offense that runs smoothly and has versatility as a three level scoring team. And right now Gonzaga doesn't have that. Uh, they do not have that like versatility of scoring and you're asking players to do more than I think what they're maybe not capable of, but just not what they're the most comfortable or what they're the best at. And like, we know Rajir Bolton is an awesome player. We saw it last year. He's being asked to do different stuff this year that he wasn't asked to do as much last year. And he's not been as good. Like that's, you know, I love Rajir Bolton uh he's a great player but he has not been as good this year because he's being asked to do stuff that he's not elite at he's not an elite playmaker he's not an elite like creator out of the pick and roll and he's being asked to do that more this year uh you know what he was amazing at last year was getting out in transition immediately and getting to that corner or getting to the slot shooting threes and getting to the bucket that's not happening this year it's not and i I want to see the small ball lineups i want to see malachi and jew at the four and i want to see what that looks like in more detail because i feel like um it is all when we've run those lineups like when we we did it against portland state and we looked really good when we did it and <laughs> you're playing Portland State. <laughs> I, I know, I know, but but I think it also just it speaks to like you know when we do run those small ball lineups, like we can suddenly do some things that we otherwise haven't been able to do. I think I don't think you can do that until both Julian Strother and Malachi Smith here in a corner. They're not they're not the level of players currently that you can afford to do that. And like 
we went into this season saying there's too much guard talent to not do that. Mm-hmm. And the consistency from those two upperclassmen has not been there to afford that conversation. Let me ask you a question, guys. Who's the best passer on this team? Nolan. Yeah, I think it's Nolan Hickman. Um, okay. But... And if you were to slot Nolan Hickman into last year's team, which he really didn't play on, well, as a passer, would he have been the f- third, fourth best passer? Would you put Chet ahead of him? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Chet's a yeah. much better creator and passer. He, he, oh, Chet's a better creator. I don't just yeah. that. I would, much, much Chet, better pass. I would say, I will say though, Chet had a lot of turnovers. Chet had a nope, lot of turnovers. He was trying shit. He was trying shit because he saw the game. Because he was afforded to try shit. Right. Yeah. Like I don't I don't yeah. know if that's that Nolan wasn't I think I'm not, I'm not saying Nolan Hickman's a bad passer, but I'm simply saying that if you want to play the way that Gonzaga wants to play. You've got to have multiple very good creators, and we do not have that. I think Drew and Anton are both above-average passers at their positions. I disagree. I I think Drew's a good passer. I think Anton is good when you play against a zone, but I don't think Anton Watson is like a hub of creativity. No, I'm not saying you run anything through him. I'm just saying he's above-average at his position. That's what you need as a creator, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, I don't know, maybe I, I mistook the question because you're saying for more of a creation aspect, I get it. Like, you don't want Anton at the top of the key initiating all your offense. Like, occasionally here and there, like, if it works into the scheme, like, I you, you can do a player here or two here or there. But Nolan should be your primary ball handler. He should be the one making I agree. most of the I passes. Um, and I think that, you know, we have to allow – him to do that in WCC play and build his confidence and become what he is capable of being. The, the, honestly, yeah. like really like at the end of the day, if you really want to take this back to a macro level, Gonzaga doesn't get to that next level that we all know that we're capable of getting to unless these young guys get a chance to build their confidence, develop and grow as the season progresses. And the only way that's going to happen is once we get to WCC play, Mark lets the rotations be free and just do like, yeah, cause we've totally seen that in the past. <laughs> oh, wait, we don't ever see that. Okay, and okay. I would also, I would also say I would love, I, I would love that hypothetical question of where would now Nolan Hickman slot in on last year. <laughs> Because, because it was, uh, I would have loved to see Nolan Hickman play more yeah, minutes last year. He was on that team. And <laughs> let me also throw this out to you, Austin. When Nolan's playing three more minutes a game, he's a starting point guard. He's averaging the same amount of turnovers as Chet averaged last season. But he's averaging how many more assists per game than Chet? Right, was. right, right, right. I'm just saying. No, no, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. Four assists per game for Nolan versus 1.9 for Chet. Yeah, I think Nolan is. I is I think I think that uh, legitimately, uh, you know, we are. It's December fifteenth, and we're already having these conversations about uh, you know projecting tra- tra- out players. But if anything, the bumps and bruises of this season, I'm so excited for the level of player that Nolan Hickman's going to be next year. Uh, I am very excited to see what Nolan Hickman decides to do with his collegiate career. 
I'm excited on on a lot of fronts because I feel like there's going to be a turning point for Nolan in this offense where he's going to be given more opportunities to actually implement some things. He's he's got like only a 15% usage rate on this team as a point guard. Yeah, it's insane. That doesn't make sense. And that you know what that would have been on last year's team? Eighth. Yeah. That doesn't like that's the same. How does your starting point guard have a 15% usage rate? Well, in his yeah. possession percentage last year was 14.5. Yeah. Yeah. It's only like 2% higher than it was last year. But, and I, I think it, uh, it brings back. So, like, when, when, when I say like these guys are going to get a chance to grow and progress, and Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas and Ben Gregg are all in the rotation now. Like, clearly, they're in the rotation. So, is Mark going to expand his bench? And all those are question marks we always have every year. It doesn't matter whether he expands his bench during WCC play this year because those guys are in the well, rotation. I don't, care, I don't care about the expansion of the rotation. It's right, about- but that, what I'm saying is that Nolan, Hunter, and Ben, the guys we're most excited to see develop and grow here. And Malachi, like, gelling with the system, they're all in the rotation. They're all going to get the playing time. They're all going to get are, teams to grow together. Are, are they going to get the playing time? Because I'm at the point where I would not be surprised if Malachi starts averaging less than 12 minutes a game. I would. I would be shocked if that happens. Like outside outside of Gonzaga being up by 20, I, I don't know. I feel like you've seen over the last four games Hunter Salas take over that role. Yep. And yet Malachi still played in the last four games, 21, uh, 28, 17, and 10. His 10 against Washington was his lowest PT of the, of the year outside of – oh, I guess he played nine against Xavier. But, I mean, yeah, really only three yeah, games all four, year man. where he played less than 12 minutes. I don't. I just don't see him that losing playing I time mean, that, I don't know how much you can draw from a Northern Illinois 21-point win for playing time is what I'm saying. The fact that he played 17 he was, against Kent State and it went down to 10. He is, was really good against Northern Illinois. Like, Really, good. because that's the level of competition he played against last year. No, I, I hear you. Um, you know, and he was he was really good against Baylor. Granted, that was the first time we've seen him show show out against a high major opponent, but first and only. We're gonna who are we gonna be playing over the next two months? Northern Illinois type teams or Baylor or Kentucky type teams? Like we're gonna be playing. The type of teams that he could yeah, I just don't care about that though. I care. No, but, I mean, what it means is that though, how how else do you, these guys get to the point of comfortability and growth in this system? I would say also the WCC is far tell. closer to Baylor than it is the 300th ranked team in the country. You're right, and I yeah. I apologize for disparaging. Uh, stop slandering the WCC, Linky. I'm wrong for that. I Look, mean, I, you got I Chicago just, State still on the schedule, though. <laughs> I think I think that to to write the season off already, which a lot of people are doing, is bunk. Like, there's a lot of season left to play. These guys are going to grow and develop a lot over the next two months. Uh, oh, it's are they going like- to go to the Final Four? I don't know. And I'm not going to even pretend like I care at this point. Like, I just want to watch Gonzaga basketball. This is like – the thing that I look forward to the most in my life every single year is not watching your kids grow. 
I'm yeah. from a sports perspective, of course. I'm talking about sports here. Gonzaga is number uh-huh. one for me always. God, you guys just want me to be a bad father, don't you? <laughs> You're a good Gonzaga dad. You're a good Gonzaga You're what, dad. dad? Yeah. All right, let's let's wrap. I think we've cooked. <laughs> Keep that in, Tuck. So Kent Palm has the Alabama game, uh, a 79-78 win by the Crimson Tide. Fellas. Oh, we lost. There it is. <laughs> yeah, because Kent Palm is a bastion of, of perfection. Do you uh do you buy the old Pomeroy prediction or I think, think I think Gonzaga's Alabama's gonna, gonna be favored in this game for sure. Um because it's basically we have a line on that game. I don't know if they've released one yet. Um I think it's too early. Yeah, I think it maybe tomorrow. Probably. Yeah, tomorrow it should be out. Oh, there's no line. Um, but yeah, that that's when Ken Palm releases that number. He's not really predicting results. What he's doing is predicting the line. Like he thinks it's going to be around a one point line for the game. It's probably going to be near there. Like uh, I would say between one and three points, somewhere in that range. I'm going to go three point five. You think so? Do think you guys so. think that it's going to weird Alabama out to like technically play? Almost at home with like a full stadium of people because they're yes. not used to that. Yeah, that's a home like, game, right? It's going to be like Gonzaga <laughs> playing at Key Arena last year again with a very pro Gonzaga crowd, but like an NBA arena. Yeah, but I'm I, no, no, no. I'm saying that they're not used to Alabama fans showing up to their games. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I I agree. I think it's it's Gonzaga be, fans are used to that. No, but not like with uh, eighteen thousand people in the stands. Like that's not a normal. They're thing used to watching. They're used to having people watch them play. Alabama's not. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I don't know. I. Yeah. It's going to be a weird game for like I don't. I don't really feel like it's going to be the home court crowd that they think it's going to be either, because I don't think this is the same group of people that normally go to Bama games. I mean, they they were just who, who did they play the other night and their their arena was like empty. Like, why does nobody show up for Memphis? that game for Bama? Was they it was it Memphis? Well, right, but Memphis why do they suddenly care about sick. Gonzaga? Like, Memphis was a great game too. Those were Gonzaga. I guess. I think I think there's going to be a hell of a lot more Gonzaga fans at this game than most people realize too. Like, we're talking probably a couple thousand Gonzaga fans are going to be there. I know wow. of I know of at least uh, twenty to thirty people alone that are if you're if you're a gonzaga fan in line at the birmingham stay in line line. (laughs) (laughs) uh well i love that nobody's really ready to you know between the three of us give a prediction i think i'll say gonzaga loses 82 62 uh, 71. Hmm, nine point hmm. win. Interesting. Nine point win. Loss. Nine point loss. Uh, no, I think Gonzaga is going to win by four. And I'm willing to throw it into the uh, 82 Gonzaga, 78 Alabama. You think Gonzaga is going to score 82 points? Yes. I don't think Alabama is that great of a defensive team. Mm, interesting. I don't think Gonzaga is either. So, uh, yeah. 
I'm going to go Gonzaga. I'm going to go Gonzaga 72. Alabama 68. And those threes aren't falling then. I like that. I don't. I don't think they're going to be falling. I think it's going to be a weird environment. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. I think I'm wrong. I think I'm the most wrong of everybody on this podcast. Uh, I think about everything or just this. Oh, just this. I'm right about everything else. Um, I think you really, I don't know if you're really like truly aware of this, but you're, you're really like the, um, why am I, God damn it. My brain doesn't think. Why am I blanking on? The sad. No, you're the fucking, what's the political term for like, Wonk? Road. Oh, oh why am i blanking on? oh i'm the oh, i'm yeah. a centrist you're calling yeah. me you're calling yeah. me the uh, centrist i'm the tim kane of this podcast yeah but let yeah, now we gotta reset so Gonzaga fans si se puede oh, wait, wait 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 hold, hold on what are you austin are you the bernie sanders austin's a fascist oh, far right extremist <laughs> yeah I'm fucking i was gonna say world. like i'm much more progressive than austin on you're the podcast. nanny well you're the nanny welfare Yimby of Gonzaga basketball. Absolutely, I own. Dude, that. I am the Marjorie Taylor Green of Gonzaga yeah. basketball. Yeah, it's just me Wait. doing CrossFit, fucking my trainer, and just <laughs> preaching doom and gloom, baby. The vibes are absolutely <laughs> vibes are atrocious over here. I'm a uh, Madison Cawthorn. Oh God! <laughs> Sorry about your dick. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, well, damn it. you know, now that you know where the lines are drawn, <laughs> folks, maybe yeah. consider where, what you think about this Gonzaga team. Are you, are you Josh Alexandria Ocasio Cortez Linky, or are you Austin Madison Cawthorn tongue? Kissing Marjorie Taylor Green, and you can't side with centrist Tuck. It's either the far right. I Tim Kane Tuck. I am the levers. (laughs) (laughs) I I am the thing He's the deep state. I'm the I'm the deep state. Gonzaga is going to lose and still be a one seed, and everyone's going to be mad. (laughs) (laughs) Tuck's like, what can make people the most mad, but still have yeah, but still buy iPhones. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, give us the win. Roll them zags. Yeah, uh, we're we're throwing uh, toilet paper on onto uh, Saint Al's Cathedral if 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 Gonzaga wins. <laughs> All right, we're happy to be back. This is New Blood signing off. <laughs> <laughs>